Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Jessica Kowalewski-Dietrich, who is the Associate Director for Regional Recruitment at Ithaca College. Jessica, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm doing well, John. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor and a pleasure. So let me ask you, Jessica, to please tell us about yourself. How long have you been an admissions counselor and how did you end up in such a position? Well, without going into too much detail on that history, because I don't want to reveal my age, <laughs> but uh, I've been in college admissions professionally for about 16 years. Wow. But it really all started when I was myself in college um, and was a part of the admissions staff student tour guide group at my alma mater. Uh, after that, I took a, a brief stint in human resources, healthcare recruitment, but I really always loved the vibrancy, the energy on a college campus. And so that drew me back into higher education. And then I went on to get my master's degree in higher ed administration. And I guess you can call me an admission lifer now. And I've been that <laughs> for about 12 years now. So it's wow. because my home away from home. That is fantastic. And we can't wait to hear all about Ithaca. So let's get right to it, Jessica. What is it about Ithaca College that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Absolutely. So, you know, um, Ithaca, I think, offers a great diversity of different programs. We have over 100 majors and 70 different minors. So we see students who look at IC for a variety of reasons. We like to say Ithaca is known as a place called Progress. Here, progress never stops, and it's always a great day to be a bomber, frankly. But um, <laughs> what we mean by this is we're big proponents of what we would call learn, try, and do. So we uh, really want to apply what we would call experiential learning or hands-on learning, regardless of your intended program of study and regardless of what you aspire to do after you graduate. And this largely stems from our roots. We were founded as a music conservatory originally. And we know through the study of music that you learn best through active practice. And so we felt that applying that to your experience, regardless if you're studying biology, psychology, communications, film, music, theater, whatever it may be, is going to be an incredibly beneficial experience for our students. 
And uh, the other the other piece I think that we have been very innovative and unique in is that we provide our applicants much tra financial transparency, we'll call it. So for example, this past cycle, we came out with something called our four-year financial forecast, where we very upfront told students and expressed to them what they can expect in terms of tuition increases over the next four years and wow. being committed to not pricing any students out of their uh, completion of their degree. Well, that's so, terrific. So you give them the information for four years. That's fantastic. Exactly. exactly. Wow. And I, you know, I think it's, it's one of those areas that's not necessarily front of mind when you're thinking of the college <laughs> process and choosing a school. But yeah, those tuition increases, especially in, in light of the economic circumstances the world finds itself right. in, are something to anticipate. And so if we can make that commitment early on and provide that level of transparency early on, that's even better and, and able for our families to plan ahead. Well, it might not be on the minds of some of the students, but certainly the parents in terms of the finances. Sure. <laughs> that is very true. Yes. Well, thank you so much for that, Jessica. We really appreciate it. And how many applications do you review a year? And do you, Jessica, represent a specific region? So uh, I do represent a specific region. I am actually based off campus just outside of the New York City area. I live on Long Island, and I'm one of what we have three regionally based representatives at Ithaca now. And um, I personally probably review over a thousand applications each cycle. Uh, and that's at various stages though. It'll be an initial review, it'll be committee review. So there's, there's a lot of different approaches to that application component. Um, but I will say, even though we have quote unquote territory assignments since the world shifted with COVID, I find that to be less and less of a determining factor, meaning I'm working from students virtually from all over the globe these days. So That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, I can be in different time zones all throughout my work. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing we learned from the pandemic, right? The technology has brought the world a lot closer for sure. So that's terrific. Thank you so much for sharing. And Jessica, can you walk us through the process of how you evaluate so many applications? Are there teams of people representing different regions? If so, how many applications is each group responsible for? People always ask, so any insight would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, um, you know, there's not necessarily a formula. I think like everybody's trying to, to uncover that, you know, magic formula that is how we do things on the other side <laughs> of the desk. Um, and, and it's not a one size fits all. Like some applications are gonna take more time than others and some we're gonna wanna see more detail than others. And what I think is notable is that Ithaca takes an approach where we evaluate students a little bit differently, depending upon things like the academic program they're coming in. So if you are looking at a STEM intensive field, a science, technology, engineering, math, we're going to be honing in on how a student has been doing in that math intensive and science intensive curriculum that they've taken up until this point in their, their educational experience. But also we have programs that notoriously we get more applications for things like our six year physical therapy program, things like our theater programs that are going to have then an added level of scrutiny because we really need to see that pool in, in more of a context to make sure that we're, we're adequate, adequately weighing different things. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a very holistic approach. Absolutely. We're looking at a lot of different factors but it's gonna take different amounts of time and it's all about that time management. That's a skill I've really developed and honed in on <laughs> since I've uh, entered the admissions world. Sure, and Jessica, what are the different ways a student could apply to Ithaca? And is there a benefit to applying one way over the other? 
So Ithaca offers three application timelines or deadlines. We offer a binding early decision application deadline that is a November 1st deadline. And this is dates referenced, of course, in the student senior year. Typically, our early decision pool will hear their admission decisions by the mid-December timeframe. We do release admission decisions as we make them. So our goal is to hopefully let students know as early as possible in the admission process, hopefully alleviate some of that anxiety they may be feeling knowing they're going to college. <laughs> we also do offer early action. Our early action deadline is December 1st, and we have a notification time frame for EA of February 1st. And our February 1st deadline is for regular decisions. So that would be the latest typically that a student can apply for all consideration. And as long as a file is complete by that deadline, we, we guarantee a student be notified at the absolute latest by mid-April, but many here well before then to then you know, give them the opportunity to iron out their financial aid, to visit the campus, to do all their necessary research to make as informed a decision as possible. Well, that's fantastic. Jessica, could you tell me what is the average profile of the current freshman class in terms of GPA and any other related data you collect, such as SAT or ACT scores? Sure. So, so generally speaking, we look for a solid B plus and up student, but we, we hone in and focus just as heavily on what we would call the rigor of a student's curriculum. And, and that's going to be largely dependent upon what their high school in this case considers quote unquote rigorous. You know, you have different types of curriculums available at different types of high schools out there. Uh, we even have transfer students. And so we're looking at their college level curriculum things like dual enrollment, IB, AP, et cetera, all of those kinds of different things uh, are, are just as important to us as that end of the day GPA. But about a B plus to an A student is generally the range that we see. And, and to, to put into context and different other scales for that on a 4.0, it's around about a 3.3 and up is what we're looking at. Uh, on the other, the other flip side of the coin is Ithaca has been a test optional college since 2012 for 10 years now. So, and um, you know, I always argue that we tend to behave a little bit more like a test-blind college in many cases, even though technically we are test-optional. So um, not, not something that we put a lot of weight in because it doesn't hold a lot of predictive value, SAT and ACT scores in our opinion. So we really have moved away from using those over, over the past decade. And of course, then things like a student's engagement outside the classroom, things like letters of recommendation, essay and writing abilities, uh, looking a little bit at how they engage with us, the college, throughout the process, so that does come into some play as well. So those are all things that we're we're considering. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. And I know that you mentioned AP and IB curriculum. Does your school accept AP, IB, or SAT subject test scores for credit? We do. We accept both AP and IB scores. SAT subject exams not so much. That falls more into that test optional purview of approach or, or uh, of culture, we'll say, that we have. But AP and IB, it's actually predetermined in a way. So you can even Google Ithaca College IB credit policy or AP credit policy, and you can see very clearly what scores are needed on each of those exams and what type of Ithaca College equivalent you'll receive. So, you know, I, I actually think the benefit is, is almost twofold. One, it's, it's certainly contributing to that wanting to see a student challenge themselves appropriately in high school. And that doesn't mean taking full AP or IB for everybody. That's going to look different depending upon the student, but also uh, the potential to bring in college credits, which does then provide some flexibility in terms of classes. Maybe you test out of prerequisite or, or things of that nature. So 
If you're interested, you can see the entire equivalency guide on our website and, and really get a good sense of what's going to transfer in if you were to enroll. Well, I appreciate that. And again, there's so many resources available on the Ithaca College website. I will link in our show notes for this podcast episode, the Ithaca College Office of Admissions. Jessica, if there's anything else that you want me to link, send it to me and I'll make it available in the show notes again to the students and their parents. Jessica, if a prospective student falls a little below the current freshman class's average, what are some of the things that a student can do to enhance their overall application? Yeah. So first off, I want you to concentrate on what you have control over. And what I mean by that is you can only look forward. We can't look back. You know, grades 9 through 11 are completed. We can't go back and change what we did at that point in time. You know, what are some of the pieces that you do have control over? Writing a fantastic college essay, for example. But concentrating and pushing the pedal to the max your senior year is super important, too. You know, there are many circumstances where this is very classic example where I am <laughs> going to reach out to a school counselor probably and, and ask and request some sort of senior year progress, depending upon if, you know, school's on semester, trimester, quarter, grades, whatever I can get in terms of an update is going to be super helpful in seeing, has the student recovered academically? Are they on a more consistent path, perhaps? You know, and, and this is definitely the case with this kind of example. So, um, I'm always asked, is senior year is important? Absolutely. <laughs> Please keep working hard senior year. Please. <laughs> but that's a, that's a biggie, um, I think, is, is just, you know, we want to make sure that you're going to find academic success on our college campus. That is the whole point behind an admission process, right? That we want to make sure you're going to be successful at the end of the day. And the best predictor of that is how you're doing in high school and your transcript. So keep going senior year. Well, that's great insight and great advice. And Jessica, I know that Ithaca College is, in fact, test optional. How does leaving out the test scores in schools that are test optional influence financial aid awards on the merit-based side? That's an excellent question. It's actually one that I am a huge advocate that the second any college tells you that they are test optional, a student <laughs> should follow up with. Because I think it sheds a lot of light on the culture of if they're, you know, quote-unquote, really test optional. So, um, when we made the decision back in 2012 to go test optional, that was not done very lightly and required, you know, some convincing of, of some holdouts on our <laughs> campus for sure. But um, things like we are, are certainly going to look at which programs, for example, do we want to make sure all of our programs test optional? The answer was yes. We didn't want to have holdouts or specific majors, for instance, that were test optional. And we wanted to be fully transparent in providing the same amount of merit funding to our test optional applicants. So we are um, providing merit scholarship consideration for every student who applies, regardless of their submission of scores. And I hope that's you know insightful that when I say that we are test optional, we really mean it. <laughs> and we're being authentic in that. Uh, and that students shouldn't be afraid to take advantage of that if they, if they feel that, that their scores are just not a great indication of who they are academically. Well, Jessica, that's very insightful. And my next question, which is related, could you share with us what is the percentage of applicants that submitted their applications without submitting their test scores? Sure. So we've seen, I think, as many have, huge fluctuations in this because of access to SAT and ACTs as the pandemic has evolved over the past few years. So pre-pandemic, um, I would say, 
35% or so were applying test optionally, but we got as high as you know, 70% in 2020 because students couldn't take tests. They were canceled. They weren't accessible. And we are stabilizing a little bit uh, at this point. I think we're continuing to see that uh, stabilization happening as access has improved and, and pandemic circumstances have improved since 2020. Uh, but again, one, one of those things where I uh, don't think when you're at, at least as it pertains to your application to Ithaca, one should lose sleep over should I submit my scores or should I not? And, and take advantage of those resources, right? Like talk to people like myself at the schools that are test optional. Talk to your school counselors if you're on the fence around submission because they're going to give you some good insight into whether those scores should be submitted or not. Well, we appreciate that. And Jessica, do you use the student's high school GPA as indicated on their transcript, or do you recalculate the GPA using your own metrics? Again, any insight is greatly appreciated. Yeah, so um, we're going to take a heavy look at what's called your school profile, which is going to accompany your application. Your school counselor will send this with every application that uh, is sent off on your behalf. And it gives us insight into you know, things like the weighting structure of the grading that happens at your school. You know, if we are seeing that there is great inflation happening, for example, <laughs> or things like that. So that, so point being, there's not a one size fits all in terms of do we recalculate, do we not recalculate? There are some schools that don't weight at all and they're providing a purely unweighted GPA. You know, so this is very much contextual according to the school that you're coming from and what their behavior is around grading students. So it's, it's going to really depend and be a case-by-case -case basis. But fortunately, um, that's part of the re approach that we take in terms of our application review is it's part of my job to have that contextual knowledge of the institution that you're coming from. And if, ironically, you're a new applicant from a new high school, I do, I do recruit <laughs> in New York City, and there's always a new New York City high school popping up every year. It's my job to learn more about what that curriculum looks like before I'm ever evaluating an application coming from that school. Well, we appreciate that insight. And Jessica, students' activity sheet is obviously another piece of their overall application. What are the kinds of things you're looking for beyond the work they did in the classroom? Yeah, you know, again, you're going to hear me say not a one-size-fits-all. And we attract a lot of students who, who have different vibes, right, coming to Ithaca. <laughs> they have different things that make them, you know, tick, that they're passionate about. So uh, this is about using that time outside of your structured academic day productively and in a way that you enjoy, right? So we, it, for some, it could be athletics. For some, it could be community service. For some, it's going to be the arts. For some, it's going to be DEI initiatives. Yeah, so it's, it's just going to vary from student to student, but it's certainly quality over quantity, we like to say. And so I like to see, you know, maybe you are trying out a lot of things, but maybe there's something that has stuck for you or that's mm -hmm. something that, that you're really passionate, you know, or developing a passion and not every student has found their passion when they're 18. And that's okay too. <laughs> um, but I want to see that you're using that time in a way that's productive and full of growth and learning. Sure. And of course, another part of the application is the college essay. So Jessica, what are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? In other words, when you read them, you thought, wow, this kid has to attend school at Ithaca College. Yeah, so um, I, I will give you a, some good insight into my day-to-day. -day. I keep a post-it on my desk where I write <laughs> down all the students' names of essays that have hit me really well wow. <laughs> or who, that are, were memorable to me. That's and awesome. And at the end of the cycle, I have a, a, 
post-it long, at least a post-it long, maybe a few post-its at that point. But, um, <laughs> Hopefully very, a few post-its. Yeah. <laughs> I write very small, but, <laughs> but um, of, of essays that have stood out to me during that cycle in particular. And uh, I had a very full one that I went through preemptively knowing I was going to be speaking with you today, John. So um, <laughs> I, I will say that, you know, you don't have to have had the most life-changing experience to have an impactful essay. It sometimes and often revolves around very simple daily things, tasks, experiences that you would think on the surface are mundane, but take, you know, and, and become this amazing essay. So I, I'm, um, I'm a huge fan of, of being able to tell a story. And so I think that students have to work a little bit on their storytelling skills. I think you have to move a little bit away from the way you're used to writing essays in, say, your English classes. And that's probably the most challenging because you're not trained to <laughs> write an essay the way that a college essay prompt is asking you to. So I, I get that. And so um, it's going to take some time and it's going to take a, a bunch of probably different drafts. But here's a, a, some short samplings of some from this past cycle that, that stood out to me. So... I had uh, a student from, from Manhattan who starts out her essay talking about New York City pigeons and thinking they're government <laughs> spies and that they're the, they're the only animal that can fly, walk, and swim and, and how adaptable they are and, and to being in crowds and how they have resiliency. And she then related that to herself and how she grew up in New York and how that was created her resilient shell, if you were, and how she's been able to handle certain challenges and then, you know, how those challenges have shaped her. Like, wow, what a, a cool way to tell a story. <laughs> I had um, another student who grew up on Long Island who was a lifeguard over the summer, who was an aspiring screenwriter, filmmaker, and he would watch the people on the beach and come up with these stories about what their daily life was and <laughs> and write a and basically wrote a script for us of one of these and how he applied this and learned through that experience he wanted to be in film and wanted to be writing films wow. and applied into our film program. So, you know, again, daily life experience that is just shaped and molded in such a way that it's creative and it's a story and it stuck with me. So just a few, but there's, there's always good ones every year. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are great examples. Thank you so much. And Jessica, I was also wondering, what about a student that had an IEP when they were in high school? What does Ithaca College offer those students once they are, in fact, on campus? Absolutely. So we have a, um, a department on campus called Student Accessibility Services, abbreviated SAS. And they will work with students to provide any level of accommodations that you may need uh, and I, I'm a huge advocate that you as a prospective student should be working with these types of departments during your college search. That is the only way you're going to confirm, does this college offer the support I need to be successful? And, and that's going to look different in terms of the services available at each campus. And is that going to meet your needs at the end of the day that, again, you'll be able to find that academic success that we are we're hoping for? Um, so don't hesitate to reach out to those departments and, and inquire because, again, this is part of a, a big part for this group of students, your college search to make sure that that fit, as that we always use that word fit, <laughs> is going to be there. Uh, and that's a biggie for if you, if you feel that you need that level of support in college. Well, that's great. Thank you so much. And what about students aspiring to play 
sports in college. What advice do you have for aspiring collegiate athletes in terms of making their intentions to play known? So I, I come at this from a school that competes at Division Three level, and we compete in the Liberty League. So there's going to be a little bit of a different process depending upon that division, of course. But I, I always say the first step is going to our athletics website and filling out what's called the prospective student uh, athlete questionnaire. And so that's where you can get into that coach's database. That's how they know you have an interest. You've taken the initiative to put your hand up and say, I'm interested. But then from that point forth, we have 27 different teams and each coach has their own style in terms of how they work with recruits and, you know, some invite them to campus to camp, some will travel and, and to view students, some will want to see recordings of you. So that's where you're going to have to, uh, you know, kind of tease out the different approaches that different coaches have. And, and it could be different just at different schools, even though it's the same sport, right? Sure. Um, but that's, that, that questionnaire is the first step. Then you know, being a self-advocate. This is where flexing those self-advocacy skills is going to come into play, where reach out to the coach, send them an email, introduce themselves. If you've met me at a college fair or any of our reps, if you've sent in an application already, whatever, wherever you are in the process, maybe you've even had the opportunity to already visit our campus, reference that and introduce yourself and let them know you're interested. And our coaches are incredibly receptive. They are, are warm he people, just like admission representatives are. I mean, Absolutely. we don't go into this profession because we're not people people. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, again, being a self-advocate and not being shy to reaching out here is going to get you a long way. You want to be a little bit of a squeaky wheel when it comes to being an athletic recruit. Well, that's fantastic advice and we appreciate it. And Jessica, brings me to my last question, which is, what are the top three pieces of advice you would give a student and their parents who are getting ready for the college admissions process? So the first is utilize your resources in trend. And I think one of the best, most underutilized resource are other people because we have a professor on campus uh, who says all the time that you could have the most top ranked program. You could have the most beautiful, gorgeous campus what's going to make or break that experience and who's going to be the one who connects you with resources are going to be the people on that respective campus. So tap into that population. You know, you can start with admissions, but then talk to students, talk to faculty, talk to, you know, different staff members, people who, who are connected to the college in a variety of different ways and contexts, because those are going to be your influencers, your mentors, and the people who, again, are going to make or break that experience. And I, I will be perfectly frank and honest that I am at Ithaca College for 12 years because of the people I work with. And wow, that sure. is what keeps me sure. motivated. Um, you know, So definitely use those resources, but particularly people. Secondly, I'd say get organized because there's a <laughs> lot of info coming your way. There's a lot of deadlines coming your way. And you want to make sure that you're approaching this and things aren't passing you by, right? So find a system that works for you. I, I'm an Excel spreadsheet person, but I know that that doesn't work for everybody. Google does some amazing <laughs> color-coded things. You know, do, do something, approach it in such a way that you know, you're being organized throughout this process. And then I know we probably have students and parents listening, be kind with one another, be transparent with one another, you know, especially in light of we're, we're in this culture of talking about college cost, 
and students are not necessarily involved in those cost discussions on the front end. So being kind and transparent with one another, but also not letting it overwhelm your lives over you know, your student senior year. There's so much excitement and happiness and fun that goes into senior year that you don't want to lose sight of at the same time. So it can be an anxiety inducing experience, but it's also extremely exciting and you know, you'll find your college home on the other end of it. You got to trust in that. <laughs> well, those are great pieces of advice and great insight. Jessica, I am so happy that you were with us today because I know it's going to help so many students and their parents. We look forward to having you back again, by the way. Thank you for your time today, Jessica. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. And I look forward to uh, meeting these listeners sooner than later. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Our pleasure. Thanks again, Jessica. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.